Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Sons of Sequoia podcast, a very special episode because it is our 100th episode, and we're broadcasting live from Wheat Ridge, Colorado, the home of the champions. How are you this morning? Uh, you're muted. Uh, I'm doing I'm doing fine, David. Thank you. Uh, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing good. I'm excited because we're going to talk about the story of Eric the Eel Musambani, a swimmer from Equatorial Guinea, and I think he embodies, in small part, the spirit of the Olympics and the spirit of, in some way, what we're doing with this podcast, that a lot of success is just showing up, you know? And we've done 100 episodes. We don't have a million subscribers, but we're still doing it. And this episode is to celebrate 100 episodes, to talk about Eric the Eel Musambani, and to just say, we'll probably do 100 more. That's right. And uh, we've been watching the Olympics this week and a lot of swimming, a lot of gymnastics. And uh, Eric uh, was in the 2000 uh, Sydney uh, 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 events, in uh, Olympic events in uh, Sydney. And uh, it was a very inspiring story. And I think for our 100th episode, we should have an inspiring story uh, to look back at what we've done uh, for the last 99 and also look ahead for the next 100. Mm-hmm. Um. So yes, I, I guess we could just get right into the story of Eric the Eel Musambani. Um, I'll start, I guess, and then you can add, because you know the story pretty well, right, by now? I just I just read what they, uh, yeah. Do you have as the- much, As much as the media is, is tells us. <laughs> Do you have the Wikipedia pulled up? Uh-huh. Okay, good, let's uh, crib off of the Wikipedia. But I will start by saying Eric the Eel Musambani came from a country called Equatorial Guinea. And if you want to know where Equatorial Guinea is, um, oh, what the heck? It is right here. Um, you can see it sort of nestled in between Cameroon yeah. and Gabon on the western coast of Africa. Um, so if you think of Africa as a big boob, it's on the rib cage just below the boob. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so Eric the Eel Musambani came from Equatorial Guinea as part of a program that the Olympics was doing to try to encourage countries that didn't compete in specific events to take place in these events. So he didn't actually have a qualifying time, but he was allowed to go to the Olympics under this program. And um, if you want to take it from there and tell his story, a little bit. Well, he had never seen an Olympic pool. Uh, he uh, he practiced in the in the ocean there, uh, in a in a lake or an ocean. Uh, he practiced in a small pool that's maybe 12 meters long. Uh, the Olympic pool is 50 meters long. He had never seen an Olympic pool, and so uh, they, from what I understand, from what I read, uh, they sent out a ad in the paper to say who wants to come in and, and try out for the Olympics for swimming for the 100 meter, 50 meter, and 100 meter freestyle. And he was the only one that applied. <laughs> and so he came and said, yeah, I'll do it. And so he says, but I don't know how to swim. So uh, eight months before the Olympics, I think the Olympic, he, he swam in September and in January, he began learning how to swim from the, what the story says as the story goes. So he, he began actually training, I guess, not learning how to swim, but training. And it could have been learning how to swim. But anyway, he worked hard. 
he worked hard and tried to uh, work hard to learn how to swim to uh, uh, to swim this uh, for his country. And he says he went there and he was very afraid. He was very nervous, but he wanted to do it for his country. Now, um, so I'm going to play a little video clip. I'll just play it without sound, if that's okay. okay. Just to sort of tell about the competition itself. So Eric Musambani, Equatorial Guinean, gets to the Olympics, has never swam in an Olympic-sized pool. He gets to his heat and... ...a lot here, but there are a lot of moments that people remember around taking part. The Olympic motto is around taking part. In lane five, representing Equatorial Guinea... That's him there. Musambani. With a name like Eric, if he'd been an athlete, 22 he'd years been an old. elephant. As it was, two false starts in the men's heats in the 100 meters freestyle in Sydney left in the most famous eel in the pool. So, he's in a heat with three guys, and two of the guys false start. So no matter what he does, he's going to win his heat. <laughs> um, and so, I think that the Equatorial Guineans can take pride. This guy went to the Olympics, he faced two other Olympians, and he won his heat. And yeah, it might be a technicality, but it's still cool, right? I think it's very cool. And so, he showed up. He showed, he showed up. up. He practiced. He trained. He got up there on the blocks, and he did what he was supposed to do, and he did not have a false start. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so now I'll share, I'll actually share the sound with you now. Um, just because I think that uh, you'll appreciate the sound and it'll allow us to sort of move forward, okay? Okay. All right, so we'll watch the rest of this clip. It's about a minute and 20 seconds. Okay. There were a lot of things going on for me when I watched that, and in retrospect. And heat one of this men's 100 meters freestyle. And here we have Eric Musambani of Equatorial Guinea. And Adrian, I've never seen anything like this at the Olympic Games before. It was very funny. This guy doesn't look as though he's going to make it. It is a funny moment. Now I am convinced this guy is going to have to get hold of the lane rope in a minute. It is also a poignant moment. It's quite a sad moment, I think. Adrian, I'm not sure he's going to make it, is he? Oh, yes, this is, this is the Olympics. He's got 17,000 people shouting for him. It's also quite a defining moment for the Olympic Games as to whether that um, level of performance should be in an Olympic competition. Eric Lusambani of Equatorial Guinea wins heat one of the men's 100 metres freestyle. Well, I thought I'd seen everything in the Olympic swimming pool. We've had nine world records, we've had 19 Olympic records, and I've just seen somebody go 1 minute 52.72 for 100 freestyle. And get a bigger cheer. How did it feel to be in that race? I'm feeling good. I am feeling, I, I am happy. For different people, it means different things, and I think that's... There we go. I think that's enough a context, because we can add our own context on top of, uh, of the clip. Don't you think so? And you're still muted. Yeah, and also the picture's still up. Oh yeah, I'll uh, unshare it. There we go. The uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I think that was a good clip, a really good clip, because you can tell when he first started, uh, he he was he was going for it, but uh, he was saying later in, in other clips, he says uh, when he's re reflecting on it, he says, yeah, I I got tired. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'd never swam that far before. I got tired. 
And on the way back, I don't know if I was going to make it or not. And he says, but I didn't, I didn't want to stop. And he says, the last, the last 20 meters was the hardest, he said. And he says, I didn't want to stop because I heard people cheering. And he said, I had to do it for my country. Uh, and, and the commentator says, you know, it brought up a question, should, uh, uh, should that level of performance be in the Olympics? And I say, I think to me is that the Olympics is more than just performance. It's heart. Mm-hmm. It's 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 pride. It's that you want to give your best, whatever it is, you want to give your best for your country and for yourself. And I think uh, that's the story of, of Eric Musambani. Uh, but that's just the beginning. Right, David? Yes. I think that uh, what's important to note is that he set a record. And that record was the slowest time in the 100 meter in the 100 years or so that that event had been contested. His time of 100, one, 1 minute 52 seconds, 0.72, was slower than pre-World War I times, obviously. I mean, they were swimming faster than him back then. And so the guy said it was a little bit sad, and should he even be there? And you think he could have said, he could have been embarrassed by his performance. He could have been ashamed. But he wasn't. He was happy to be there. He was proud that he made it and that he finished the race. And then when he went back home to Equatorial Guinea, I think this is the cool thing, he was hailed as a hero. They didn't see him as a joke. They didn't see him as Eric the Eel, the guy that did at least twice as long as the next average competitor. When he got there, he was lauded as a national hero for going to Sydney and representing Equatorial Guinea and finishing the race. And I think about how many Americans train their whole lives and they have a swim and they finish two tenths of a second behind an Australian. And they are devastated by that. Well, Eric Musambani finished a minute plus behind the world record and he hung his head high and everyone in his country said, we're so proud of you. And I think that's pretty awesome. Yes. And uh, a sideline, too, as a side note, is that he was not the only Equatorian, Equatorian uh, uh, Guinean uh, to swim in that Olympics. There was a second woman, Paula Barilla Balopa. Uh, she swam in the 50-meter freestyle. And so he was the first one, though. Mm-hmm. And then Paula came after him and so when they came back they they went they performed they represented their country uh but uh again that wasn't the end of it the next year and i think in 2001 or 2002 he went back and uh and he uh uh in 2001 he competed in the 50 meter freestyle at 2001 world aquatics championship in japan mm-hmm. and finished 88th out of 92 he beat four guys then i wonder if he they, beat four people I, I wonder if they fall started too though that's my that's my question uh doesn't matter back doesn't matter he went back he went back he wasn't say i'm embarrassed i'm not going to do this anymore i was last i have the worst world worst record the oldest just uh, i mean the the uh, the longest record uh no i'm proud i'm happy I'm going to go back and do it again. Mm-hmm. And he kept training, didn't he? He kept he training. Kept... This is an important part of the story. After setting the slowest time in Olympic history, Eric Musambani kept swimming. I think he caught the bug. 
and he got better and better and he lowered his times and from a time of 152.72 his personal best came four years later and he got it under a minute he swam to 156.9 which of course isn't a world record time but if he had done a 56.9 at the olympics four years earlier we wouldn't be talking about him today and that's the fascinating thing about sport that's right and uh and then in 2012, that's when he uh, they put him in. He uh, he was in charge of the. Uh, he was a swimming instructor for Equatorial uh, Guinea. I think that's that's an awesome story. You it is take a flyer. They say, hey, does anyone from these countries that have never competed before want to compete? He says, I want to compete. He goes there. He swims the slowest time. People think he's going to drown in the pool, but he's happy. And even though he has the slowest time in history, when he goes home, he's hailed as a hero for doing it. And he's proud, but he doesn't rest on that laurel. He continues to swim. He lowers his time by nearly a minute. And he continues to compete, and he gets better and better and better and better. I'm not sure he ever won anything. But now he's the head coach of the Equatorial Guinea swimming team. And he's teaching a new generation of Equatorial Guineans who probably were inspired by his appearance at the 2000 Olympic how to swim. And I think that's an incredible story. That's right. So how much contribution did Eric make to his country by losing and not giving up and continuing on and helping other people? Mm -hmm. I mean, to me, that's part of the Olympics and competition and, and humanity. Uh, it's just it's just fantastic. You don't you just keep going and don't give up. Uh, the other thing too, I was uh, looking at the story, uh, his uh, a dom commentary on the story of him. He says when he got there, when he saw the pool, he couldn't believe how big it was. <laughs> he goes, "Wow, oh wow," you know. And then he saw the other swimmers swimming, and he says, "I I didn't get in the. I watched them swim. I saw how they kicked their feet. I saw how they moved their arms and." He says, when I was home, no one really, no one really taught me. Uh, he, he never had any lessons or anything. So he says, I was watching how they swam. And so when I got in the water, uh, some people paid attention to me and some people ignored me. Uh, but one of the coaches from South Africa, uh, he came up to me and says, you know, you really need to do it this way, this way, and this way. He saw that I was doing it wrong and he wanted to help me. That's cool. Yeah, so he said he was says no, you really need to kick your feet this way. You need to move your arms this way, and says okay, and and so he was helping me. He's you know a little, not a lot, but he saw where there was help that we needed, and he was a coach. And so a coach is a coach. It doesn't matter who they are. You want to help people. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, you could be a coach even on the other team. You know, oh, you do it this way, because our true coach coaches coaches mm -hmm. uh, it, it's not it's not a political thing at all uh, and and so he says yeah I, I learned after I got there and uh, he says I was so nervous when I got up to the blocks I was so nervous and uh, when uh, the the first two went in front of me and they were disqualified you know I didn't go and I thought oh no uh, should I have gone and he says okay uh, we have we have a disqualification and Eric says, I, I thought I was disqualified because I didn't jump <laughs> in the water. <laughs> he says, I stepped off the blocks. He says, I thought I was disqualified. 
And he says, no, they were. And now you swim. And I go, oh, okay. <laughs> so he gets up there and he does his best. He does his best. Right. And I think that's all you can ask of some people. That's all you can ask of anyone, really, right? That's right. That's right. That's all you can ask of anyone. Do your best. Now, I But you know, you know, uh, a couple weeks ago, we did uh, uh, a week on AI, mm -hmm. artificial intelligence, and how machines can outperform humans, and how machines don't make mistakes, how machines can go 24-7, how machines can continue and continue and continue, and they are better than humans by doing tasks over and over and over again. But you know, one thing in our society, in our world, in, in this world of humans, is that the inspiration from a machine is not there. When you see someone who gets up there and says, I'm not as good as everybody, <laughs> but I'm still going to try. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to try my best. And then once I have the uh, worst time in the history of the Olympics, I'm going to go back home. I'm going to keep practicing. You don't get that from machines. You get that from humans. And it's a very inspiring story, I think. And there's a lot of other stories like that. We picked this one because we're looking at doing it swimming this week. But there are other stories out there. Mm -hmm. Now, I think your point is good. And I want to bring up something that I've brought up once before in the podcast in our episode with Emily Frost. She's a travel writer from London. And I mentioned this um, concept, this worldview. It's called Wabi Sabi. And I think that since the Olympics is in Tokyo, I think it's good to bring in this idea of Wabi Sabi. It's a Japanese idea. So I'll just explain it by virtue of reading the Wikipedia. Wabi Sabi. In traditional Japanese aesthetics, wabi-sabi is a worldview centered on the acceptance of transience and imperfection. The aesthetic is sometimes described as one of appreciating beauty that is imperfect, impermanent, and incomplete in nature. It is a concept derived from the Buddhist teaching of the three marks of existence, specifically impermanence, suffering, and emptiness or absence of self-nature. So I don't think that an AI could really understand wabi-sabi the beauty of imperfection. I think that there was something beautiful about the story of Eric Musambani. There's something beautiful about coming in last. And I think most people wouldn't see it that way, but humans are able to listen to his story and say, that guy came in last and it was awesome. If he can do it, then I can go out and do what I was thinking of doing, but I was afraid to do. I'm not afraid anymore. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and speaking of Japanese, just going down the Japanese rabbit hole, we've been watching a lot of Olympics, and of course, this is just a marketing slogan. But Toyota, <laughs> they have a pretty good marketing slogan. They're saying, you know, you could do this, you could do that, you could be an Olympian, you can be amazing. And but then at the end, they say, but you don't have to be amazing to start, but you do have to start to be amazing. I think that's pretty good advice. That's from a great. That's great. From a commercial. And yeah, you know they what? did a good job. And you know what? The 100 episodes we've done of this podcast are just a start. That's right. I think we've refined our, our, we've streamlined our process. Our audio and video is getting better and better all the time. And I, I look forward to doing 100 more.
I'm ready to do 100 more, too. There's so much out there to talk about. Mm-hmm. There's so much out there, more to do it. And and some are educational. Uh, we had uh, Torsten Hoffman on, and, and that was just a, a great time with him talking about his movie, uh, Cryptopia. Uh, and then, as you say, Emily Frost uh, came on, and we talked with her about about travel, and, and she's, she's a very good writer uh, from London. And we just had some some very inspirational people for some inspirational topics. And and Eric Musambani uh, is inspirational. But that's that's the beauty of humans. I think humans using artificial intelligence technology where it's appropriate. But I don't think it should replace humans everywhere because there's something beautiful about imperfection. Mm-hmm. Because it's inspirational. Yes, I, I think that artificial intelligence allowed us to access these clips and text versions of this information through the algorithms available on a search engine, through the algorithms available on YouTube. We can see Eric Musambani's historic 2000 race. But the thing is, an algorithm, an AI algorithm on a, a search engine could never perform Eric Musambani's race. <laughs> that's, that's, that's purely human. That's right. And so you need both. Mm-hmm. You need both. And so it's not one or the other, it's together. Which which I think that's something that when we say to talk and to listen, it's just let's come together and try to understand each other. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we do. What's what we try to do in the sense of Sequoia. And we, we listen to, uh, also on here in this podcast, we listen to... Um, Foreign Affairs articles, and uh, and in Foreign Affairs, the the articles and the, and they have articles from both sides, from all sides. We're we're the China articles. Mm-hmm. We have people from China. We have people from Europe, the European uh, uh, theater, uh, European countries, and so we have people from both sides, uh, from America, and so uh, which I like that. Uh, listen to both sides, and uh, again. Something. Uh, if you listen to people and listen to both sides, there's no easy answer to anything, and the, the world is complicated. Mm-hmm. But sometimes that complication can be really beautiful. Yeah, it can. And sometimes there's beauty and imperfection. You don't That's have right. to be the best to be the best. Now, I don't think we need to really go much further. We can do a very short hundredth episode if you'd like. That's amazing. Yeah, don't worry about be being imperfect. Uh, worry about not trying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Always try. Get there and, and give it a shot. Try it. I went try to it. I went to a music conference, uh, and there was this guy Greg Wells, I believe is his name. He's a audio engineer, and he's produced a lot of famous artists' albums. And um, someone asked him, "What did you do to achieve success?" And he said, "Well, you know what? In the music business, there's really no success and there's no failure. There's just I gave up or I didn't." I thought that was a pretty good answer. That's a great answer. That's a great answer. And and you really that's why you should do what you love. Because mm-hmm. if you do what you love, you'll never give up. You'll never stop doing it. And you shouldn't stop doing it if you love it. Just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. And uh, that that's that's a really good sentiment. That's a good perspective. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like so this it. this is our hundredth episode of the Sons of Sequoia podcast. We're available. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 9 a.m. on YouTube. 
and that's Sequoia, S-E-Q-U-O-Y-A-H. Uh, we're also available wherever you get your podcasts. I think in the next 100 episodes, we may be sticking with a lot of our key topics. We like to do podcasts on foreign affairs, on the cutting edge of technology, and of course on cryptocurrency. But like today's episode, we're not immune from doing an entire episode on inspiring stories because I think that we all need a few inspiring stories in our lives. And I think Eric Musambani, his story is very inspiring. Yes. And I think that I can't wait I know I can't wait for the next 100 episodes because I love I love doing this. It's uh, it's good, and actually everybody should do something that they love, uh, and they should never stop, never stop doing what you love. So are we going to wrap it up in about less than 30 minutes? Is that okay? Yeah, it's fine with me. I think I think that's perfectly fine for the 100th episode because uh, what we're doing is we're we're commemorating what we've done and it's a milestone uh, for us and so we're also looking forward to the next 100 and so this is a transition uh, and so this is a shortened episode because it is very focused on looking back and celebrating and looking forward and anticipating we'll try to channel the spirit of eric musambani we and will we didn't have to be amazing to start but we had it to start to be amazing right Yes, we did. And we just did, David. <laughs> All right. Well, is there anything you'd like to say before we leave? Yep. Is it time? It's time. It is time for everybody to talk. Always talk. But listen more than you talk. And try to understand what the other person is saying. And never stop. <laughs>